Thirsty? You've come to the right place to wet your whistle. It's the Liquid Lifestyle with Ryan McGarrian, a full hour of liquid refreshment. Now, here's Ryan. Well, how the heavens are you, my thirsty listener? So as you know by the sound of my voice, you are once again riding the earth for the next hour with us here at the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. And if this is your very first shift with us, I am your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarrian. And this broadcast is dedicated to all things liquid and delicious with a particular emphasis on potent potables, uh, such as spirits and cocktails and beers and wines, uh, as well as occasional forays into coffees and teas, something I need to do, uh, I think, a better job of in the future. Uh, And the fine folks and joints that serve them up, be them right here in the Rose City, or parts far, far, far beyond. All right, so today, believe it or not, uh, I am across the Pacific, spending a few weeks here in the land of Oz, otherwise known as Australia. Uh, at least that's what it says on the map. And I have to tell you, it's a bit of a hike, but if, you're, uh, if you have a particular enthusiasm for food and beverage, it's definitely worth the trip. Uh, and my trip has found me specifically uh, spending a few weeks both here in Melbourne, I'm in Melbourne today, and Sydney. And to give you a bit of an idea of how they might relate to what we are familiar with on the West Coast, uh, just think about these towns as a reverse mirror image of our fair shores. And what I mean by that is uh, think of Sydney as a cross between Los Angeles and San Diego. It is sunny, people are fit, the food is light and delicious, there's avocado everywhere, the drinks are crisp. And then Melbourne, uh, you know, the weather, I w- I'd say it's a cross between Vancouver, B.C., Portland, Seattle, and San Francisco. So, uh, you know, you've got incredible restaurants, a really intellectual bar scene, and the fashion here is to die for if that's your thing. So one of the most outstanding things about traveling the world is bumping into some of your buddies. And, uh, man, I was so stoked uh, when I found out that my buddy, uh, Tony, T- uh, sometimes I can't pronounce your name, man, Tony Conigliaro. Uh, uh, is was here in Melbourne at the same time, so uh, I've talked my man Tony, a true legends legend in our world, to sit down with me for a few minutes and shoot the breeze. So, Tony C, how the heavens are you, my man? I'm very well, thank you very much, uh, and very much enjoying Australia. Yeah, me too. It's what's not to like. So, uh, so for those of you who don't know Tony, uh, like I said, he's a legends legend, legends 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 legend, uh, and what I mean by that is he has had a profound impact on. The, the cocktail scene worldwide, but more specifically, I would say uh, throughout Europe with his work in the United Kingdom. Obviously, you can tell by the sound of his voice, he's British. Um, he is the, the owner of a spectacular bar called 69 Colebrook Row, also uh, a, uh, a drink think tank called the Drink Factory, uh, as well as uh, a consultant on so many other things. So, uh, first off, what brings you here to Melbourne? Um. We're doing the consultancy for the bar uh, at dinner by Heston, uh, Heston Blumenthal's new restaurant that he's opening up in Melbourne. Um, and yeah, having a, a lot of fun with that and uh, kind of just uh, uh, in, learning about new ingredients. Um, you know, uh, there's a, a whole heap of stuff that we've never seen, let alone kind of uh, tasted before. So, you know, having a lot of fun with that. That's cool. Are there any ingredients in particular that have kind of just, like you just, you know, any ingredients that got thrown out on the bar top and you went, wow, I've never thought to put that in a drink? Yeah, I mean, just, uh, there's like wild sultanas that are are called 
uh, I, can't, I can't even remember it. It's, it's an Aboriginal name, and they're just absolutely delicious. Uh, so we've been kind of cooking stuff up, and you know, making syrups and all kinds of stuff, uh, testing those out, um, and then kind of, you know, uh, learning a lot about the soil uh, in Australia for wines and things like that. Because there's a, a particular drink that we're doing that is called uh, part of a series that we started at 69 Colbert Row, and then continued at Bar Termini, our second bar. Um, which is kind of distillations of um, various stones and clays and things like that that we then blend almost like a whiskey uh, to create a, a, a series of aromas and flavours that are kind of representative of the land part of terroir. Um, so that's been uh, truly fascinating. Dude, when somebody starts talking about distilling stones and ground into in, into ingredients that will go and mix drinks, you know you're talking to somebody who's on another freaking planet, man. I love it, dude. You've always inspired the living crud out of me. But uh, before we, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about your relationship with Heston Blumenthal. And for those who don't know who uh, Chef Blumenthal is, he is the owner of the Fat Duck in Bray in the United Kingdom, which is one of the world's Num- top top restaurants almost impossible to get a reservation but Tony where did your fascination let's back up where did your fascination with beverage start man my fascination was um, I, I, I worked in the fashion industry I couldn't stand it <laughs> uh, and ended up working a, for a friend of mine in a bar uh, and just the level of, of fun of history of you know, playing around with ingredients. I, mean, I think my godfather summed it up best because I, I was at art school for five years and he turned around and said, you just paint with flavour now. It's the same thing, but that's what you're doing. And I think that was, you know, that's the bit I really enjoyed. I think that's the bit I kind of expounded on and that's what I suppose I'm known for. Yeah. Painting with flavour, man. <laughs> that's such a good way to put it. So uh, tell me about your first bartending gig, if you would. Oh, it was awful. Um, I, was, I was literally cleaning glasses uh, for this friend of mine at a, 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 a not very good cocktail bar back in the 90s. Uh, you know, very kind of sweet, horrible drinks. Um, but on the way home, on the bus on the way home, what I used to do is I used to read kind of like whatever cocktail books I could get my hands on or any information I could. Just more out of kind of fascination than, than you know, actually wanting to do it. Uh, and then there was one particular night when uh, the one of the owners came in with uh, one of his many girlfriends, uh, and she was uh, an American girl, and she asked for Park Avenue, and none of the other bartenders knew how to make it, but one of them turned around and said, oh, the glass washer knows how to make it. Um, and so I did, and the owner said, well, why am I paying you guys to make drinks when he's the one who knows them all? And that's how I got my gig on the bar, and that's how it all kind of really started. So what was the name of that place? Um, it was LED. It's called LED. LED, man. Yeah, LED. You guys are always ahead of the curve. This is the late 90s, folks, so this is this is a bit in the past. So, you know, my first, uh, the first time I had ever heard of you, I think you were either consulting or working uh, at the original Hakkasan in um, in London. Is that, is that, is that, was that the next stop on your journey, or is there anything in between? Oh, there, there was, oh, there was a whole heap of stuff in between. Um, but, uh, yeah, ended up. Uh, Dick Brattle was the who was my mentor was doing the consultancy for Hakkasan uh, and it was the original one uh, that was owned by Alan Yao and yeah just we were part of the bar team there uh, we, we helped you know Dick create the drinks and you know we, we kind of you know ran that uh, with him uh, which was great fun because it was um, you know uh, Dick was just a, a master of his trade and, and 
uh, an incredible mentor. Well, I tell you what, for those who don't know who, gosh, there's so many amazing names being thrown out today. Dick Bradsell is a pinnacle figure in the modern craft cocktail movement. In our country, I think a lot of people think that things start with Dale DeGroff with regards to the modern craft cocktail uh, revival, and I fully believe that. So Dick Bradsell would be, in my estimation, I, don't, uh, ho- I hope Tony agrees, would be uh, kind of the Dale DeGroff of, uh, of the United Kingdom. Would you say that's a fair estimate? I, say, I would say of Europe. Uh, and and for, I th- you know it's it's so so funny because the, the, the both of them are friends uh, uh, and their influence and and their back and forth uh, about kind of uh, drinks was what kind of I think changed the scene and made it what it is today. Full stop. Um, and I think Dale's reach in you know not only the globe but kind of stateside was just incredible. Uh, but for I think the early days in Europe at that same period, I think Dick. Uh, uh, was mirror, you know. Uh, that, I mean, they were mirrors to each other across, you know, the Atlantic. Uh, but I, then I think Dick's influence kind of spread to places like Australia, because uh, a lot of Australians used to come and work in London. You know, uh, the South Africans, the you know, uh, tons of Brazilians. And, uh, and so, so there was that, there was that kind of uh, level that you, I mean, you find both of their drinks globally. It's just astounding. You know, you can be in a, a tiny little bar in the middle of you know nowhere on an island in the Caribbean, and they'll make you know an espresso martini or a cosmopolitan. It's just insane. I mean, then that's how far-reaching I think those two are. Is, uh, to your knowledge, is Dick still is he still engaged in the industry at all? Yeah. Oh. So yeah. Anyway. So um, moving on. Uh, I tell you what. We are coming up on the end of our first segment. We are uh, Tony and I are sitting here at the uh, Grand Hyatt in Melbourne, enjoying a nice, peaceful morning, and uh, we will be right back at you in just a few minutes. And welcome back to The Liquid Lifestyle. Once again, we are coming uh, at you from across the pond here in Melbourne, Australia. We're chatting with bar legend Tony Canigliaro. And in the first segment, we uh, got a little background on Tony, his start uh, in the UK, uh, you know, working at bars, starting as a glass washer, having a particular passion for the mixed drinks themselves and doing a lot of studying. Um, as he said in the last segment, working at Hakkasan, which is a very, very well thought of restaurant, was kind of his first I think introduction to the craft, and uh, so Tony, moving from Hakkasan, you worked. Uh, what was the next gig that was uh, kind of influential in your journey? I mean, again, it was. You know, there was. Uh, I went and did Easter for Oliver Payton. Oliver Payton was the guy who. Uh, it, I suppose if Dick was changing the drinks and the way bartenders thought, Oliver was changing the way restaurants worked and bars worked. So he had the Atlantic, which was the most. You know, it was the it was the game changer. Of, of bars, uh, restaurants in London. Uh, and then I ended up uh, uh, working for Rainer Becker, who I'd known since Hakkasan days because he was the executive chef there. Uh, and he started Zuma and Rocca. Uh, and I worked for him for almost six years. Uh, and that was just, you know, a phenomenal experience because that's where I started to really you know travel to Japan and see what they were doing out there and I'd be out there four times a year so I kind of got really initiated into the you know the Japanese bartending scene and what they were doing with the ice and all of that really really early on this is like uh, 2003 2004 
uh, you know, also like social distance and stuff like that. So it was all kind of stuff that really influenced what I did kind of later with, you know, 69 Colbert Row. You know, 69 Colbert Row is like a, uh, you know, uh, 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 a pastiche of, 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 of my favourite bits of bars. Like, you know, the Tokyo bars that were small uh, and intimate, uh, that were very, very high quality. And, you know, you just knew that if you were going to go to, you know, one of them, you'd meet you know meet someone and make friends and you know but it, it, and you know they would take such good care of you and that's why I wanted to replicate with 69 you know it's a 35 seater bar um, you know hopefully people think the drinks are very high quality <laughs> um, uh, you know and, and our emphasis is, is, is looking after you then there's the part you know the, the more experimental part and the kind of chefs that I've worked with over the years and you know I wanted to have a, 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 a laboratory a, a, you know research and develop for drinks and we had that upstairs at that point when we first opened um, in 2009 so you know it was you know all of those parts and all of the jobs I suppose that I kind of ever did uh, were all put in a kind of nicely packaged little ball which is 69 Colbert Row. Well I can I can jump in it was about gosh it must have been like four years ago when I uh, I was in London and uh, you know just making the rounds and of course I was going to go visit you at 69 Colbrook and uh, the thing is you know when you know Tony and you know what he does you expect to like see this block worth of bard it was such a it was such a delight to like be stumbling what is it kensington is it the kensington Where angel angel okay yeah. to be kind of stumbling around and then on this little corner is this just 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 very humble looking bar with people smoking cigarettes outside just chatting away and you go inside and like you said it's very intimate in fact to me it was more english pub like gothic english pub even <laughs> than it was a uh, cocktail bar and again knowing you know your proclivity for you know intelligent drink design and yada 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 what i what i thought was so amazing is how simple the cocktail menu was. Mm-hmm. It's simple in, in, in that it would only have three or four ingredients, but here's the, the thing that I was always captivated is I know what you're putting into with regards to the development of the ingredients themselves upstairs in your drink factory. So, um, you know, I'd love to kind of segue into the drink factory, which is your kind of your laboratory and something that's, you know, again, when I visited uh, back then, you know, it was just upstairs. Has that grown and expanded? Yeah, I mean, twice since then. I mean, uh, at, one, at one point we just realised we were making so many ingredients for, you know, 69, but also kind of Termini and also kind of the Zeta uh, group that uh, we needed more space. So we moved around the corner and that was in the Old Pink Floyd recording studios where they recorded Brick in the Wall, which was phenomenal because you'd see Nick Mason walking around occasionally. As it would be. As it would be, yeah. Um, and then uh, about six six months ago we moved again and we we've now the space is you know doubled again uh it's got a purpose-built kitchen it's got all the equipment it's got the rotor vapors it's got the steel it's got you know it, it's 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 a lot you know uh slicker i think now so you know i mean to, to describe this it is there's nothing like this on the planet earth i mean he has this full-blown factory of equipment that allows him to break things down bring things back together change things change textures i mean i could go on and on but i guess i'd like if, if you could what are a few of your favorite toys so to speak you mentioned the roto vapor uh, i've heard that term a few times i've seen it in use over at uh, next and aviary grand Atkins's place uh what are some of your favorite toys in your drink factory man um i think the, my, my, my favorite bits of the uh, of the drink factory are the people that work there because we just have so much fun 
And, you know, the, I mean, the equipment for me is just a way of us getting things done really accurately and well. Um, but I think the, where the drink factory comes in life is, is you know, Zoe Burgess, who, who's the head of lab, uh, Max Venning, who's, uh, you know, in charge of operations, you know, and the amount of laughter that we have when we're talking about ideas and putting ideas together and the fun we just have, you know, discovering together. Uh, you know, and, and uh, all the teams from all the bars come over and kind of a part of that on a on a weekly basis. So, I think for me, you know, uh, we have incredible toys, but it's kind of how we bring all of that to life that I think is the most important. You know, the, the heart of the matter. Yeah. And if anybody, if you've met Tony, you know, fun is a huge part uh, of his uh, of his equation. And uh, tell you what, I just met Max this week. That guy's that guy's a sweetheart, man. He needs to work on his pool game a little bit, but. <laughs> Uh, other than that, man, what a good hang that guy is. So, I'm, so just to wrap up on the drink factory, uh, you're uh, you're developing. Uh, do you, uh, so you've got you're basically. It's, is it more of a consultancy now for people hiring you out to, to use your to work with your team and your equipment? It, it, it works on three levels: uh, a consultancy for bars and products and you know uh, drinks companies. Uh, uh, pure research and development for the bars, uh, and also the magazine and the books. And putting those together, uh, you know, the the second drink factory magazine is is kind of out there now, uh, and that's you know really high concepts. You know, it's 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 passion, inspiration work, uh, and then we've got the books. Obviously, the kind of you know uh, the cocktail lab and the sixty uh, nine Colbert Row. So you know, those are more kind of toolboxes for bartenders. So we you know we we work a lot with. Um, you know, I suppose an exchange of ideas uh, or producing ideas. Dude, that's so cool, man. Again, we are chatting with Tony Canigliaro. You're listening to The Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. Again, I am your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarrian, and we are here in Melbourne chatting with Tony Canigliaro, bar legend. Uh, he is in town uh, working on a new restaurant called Dinner by Heston, and we've been talking about his background, which is, I hope a lot of you are really enjoying this. I know the bartenders uh, who are listening to this are probably just, you know, have their ear to the uh, speaker on this because, uh, you know, it's not very often you have the opportunity to chat with a guy like this. So we just wrapped up last segment talking about his drink factory where he... He mani- it's like you know a mad scientist lab where he manifests all his great ideas. And the ideas of his team, which he, which he talked a lot about uh, for his bars and for people who uh, work with him. Uh, and you mentioned uh, another concept that you're involved with very personally, uh, and, and I don't know much about this one. That's Bar Termini. Can you tell us a little bit about Bar Termini? Yeah, I mean, that, this is a funny one. It, it is, you know, sometimes you know to do something because enough people ask you to do it and you know so many people turned around to me and uh, my, my old flatmate who was uh, director of really Marco Arrigo uh, and said um, look where do I go for a coffee and a cocktail you know we want both things in the same place 
so we can have meetings so we can you know uh, we can go there in the morning we can go there in the evening we can, you know we don't have to kind of or if you know someone doesn't drink they can have that and you know we can have the Negroni you know. and you know people just literally kept asking me year after year after year and so we just said let's do it you know if, if people are asking that much you know we've got to do it um, so again it's it's a uh, petite uh, as suits us best uh, bar uh, based around uh, 1950s um, train station cafe wow that's really cool so I'm, I'm envisioning a lot of tile is that about right it, yes a marble yeah oh. definitely for sure um, but yeah and there's uh, it, it, it's you know it has that kind of I suppose slightly romanticized version of what you know the train station at Roma Termini looked like and what you'd get there but we, what we did is we simplified the offering uh, so it was very very simple uh, and you know have a, a selection of five incredible coffees that Marco's put together and um, we've got kind of six cocktails on the list oh man so just right tight and full of might man I, <laughs> dude I can't wait to get back to London to try that out what part of uh, what part of Greater London is that uh, to be found that is right in the middle in Soho Dude, so it's really easy to get yeah. to. If you get off, you know, get yourself a little hotel, roll into Bar Termini, watch day turn into night, turn into day again there. So, man, just so much to talk about. I wish we had hours. I wish you had hours and I had hours. You got to roll. I got to take a jump on a flight here in a little bit. But uh, I do want to broach the subject of your relationship with Chef Blumenthal because it's really exciting. And, uh, you know, for those, again, who don't know uh, Heston Blumenthal, this uh, fella has, um, you know, owns a restaurant called Fat Duck in Bray, which is just outside of uh, London. Yeah, is yeah. it just outside? Yeah, about uh, half an hour drive, yeah. So if, you know, if you're familiar with, with names such as El Bouli or uh, the French Laundry, you go ahead and put uh, the Fat Duck right in, right in there. Uh, that's the type of place that it is. So, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like you're the Heston of the drink world. How, how, where did your relationship begin? Um, it's just really funny, actually. I won, a, I won a competition to have dinner with him at the Fat Duck. And the, the, the competition basically revolved around um, ask uh, ask Heston Blintel a question, and he'll choose the question that would win, and you get to. So I I went up to the Fat Duck and had dinner with him. That's how we met. Oh my gosh! So I have I've never been to the Fat Duck. Just a real brief. What's what what is the Fat Duck like? A lot of fun. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's excellence personified. Um, and you know there's just so many layers of, of wonderful cooking and ideas uh, and a lot of those ideas are a lot of fun and, and clever pretty big medium-sized rustic is kind of I, I have this medium-sized rustic like English countryside home vision am I right or am I way off um, yeah I mean I think it's a 40 seater um, um, so yeah <laughs> I have the I, right. I can't, I can't really because uh, I mean, there's. A, there, I know they've made a load of changes because they're reopening soon. So um, I mean, I think everyone's like waiting with bated breath to see what's going to happen there. So from that nice little dinner, clearly that dinner went really well. What uh, what was the next step? Uh, kind of you know, bringing your mixing talents to the table with regards to what Chef Blumenthal's up to. Well, it, they were working on a on a Pim's lemonade for a project. So I it, we used to meet at seven o'clock in the morning on Sundays and work on that. Uh, and then kind of I've been in touch with with them ever since. Really, I mean this is quite a while ago. 
and uh, Ashley Palmer Watts, who's the executive chef and uh, you know um, in charge of uh, the dinner projects uh, over here. Um, I've known since that period, um, since those early mornings, and he he was just like, I'd really like you to get involved with what we're doing because we want to add a bar to this, and you know we we think that that will you know uh, enhance the experience that we already have so you know we were in discussions about that for a long time and then you know we started kind of um, reading up about the history and talking to the kind of historians uh, about the kind of you know history of drinks in in you know the UK because you know dinner's about the the history of British food Um, and you know we're not necessarily talking cocktails we're talking about kind of drinks that were made and served uh whether they be in a kind of pub or or or, or you know uh, for royalty or for you know the kind of you know uh, the layman um but you know it, it it's been a really fascinating journey because you know we've discovered a whole new set of ways of doing things um because some of the drinks we've never kind of encountered before uh and you know, so we've we've played, uh, you know, uh, on riffs of that, and and uh, yeah, hopefully people will enjoy the results. I have no doubt about that. Has it been really cool to kind of be put in a professional position to kind of rediscover like ancient British drinks? Is that just I mean, being from the UK, is that something that's just kind of a dream come true in some ways, maybe? Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's uh, I mean, there's lots of kind of um, Right, I mean, Dave Wondrich's book, Punch, obviously kind of delves really kind of into, you know, a lot of the history of, uh, of the that, you know, period of, of drinks and stuff like that. But we've really gone back, I mean, really, really gone back to, um, and worked with one of the, the historians from the Royal, Royal Palace who wow. has access to just the most enormous amount of, of literature that you wouldn't believe. And so there's, without giving the game away, uh, a lot of new really interesting kind of you know uh, propositions <laughs> yeah and I remember Max you know having a conversation with your your your, your partner over at the drink factory Max uh, over at Heartbreaker amazing fun super lively new bar here in Melbourne uh, put together by our friend Michael who's uh, a partner in the Everly uh, you know he was talking about just what a, just how amazing it is to work with a, a, a chef team like this where they never say no Yes. Isn't that that must be amazing? It, 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 you know, it, it's it's like finding um, a twin that you never had, and you all kind of love the same things uh, uh, and want to do the same things and do them as best you can, um, and you're kind of put in a room together and just said, get to know each other and do it, uh, and that's you know that's what we've been doing. Dude, that's so cool. I mean, that is kind of the dream for a lot of us in this space is just to reach a point or whether it's on our own or working with somebody who has the resources to be able to push all boundaries and not necessarily have to worry about, you know, the revenue aspect of things, knowing that the concept itself 
as it opens will take care of all those things. So that's, uh, you know, a lot of us. We should all be so lucky, Tony. <laughs> all right. So uh, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about your book because your book has been has had a profound effect on me. It is behind the bar at Oven and Shaker um, and my bartenders love it. I, I think, my, you know, the whole thing is magical, but I think your first just your your lead in is just amazing it just it just how it encapsulates the 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 precision yet simplicity and whim that need that goes into making a great drink uh i'd love to talk to you about uh you know how that book tank came together um it's very simple uh Gemma reeves actually as i <laughs> launch into that i realize we're coming up to the end of our third segment so we are uh we're going to cut out real quick we're talking to tony conigliaro next segment we're going to be talking about his book, The Cocktail Lab, uh, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Liquid Lifestyle uh, here on the Radio Northwest Network. Again, we are having a blast, chilling, relaxing, talking to Tony Canigliaro, uh, world-class barman, owner of 69 Colebrook Row in London, the Drink Factory, Bar Termini, and currently uh, working with Chef Heston Blumenthal on a concept here in Melbourne. At the end, uh, I, got so, I got so caught up in our conversation, uh, we started to talk about your book, uh, but we didn't get to, to dive into it. So, uh, so tell us about that book that I've found and so many people have found to be so captivating? Um, I mean, the way it came about, I mean, it's very simple. Basically, Gemma Reeves, uh, who's a a dear friend of mine, she's a writer, uh, sat me down and said, you've got to write a book. And I was like, I don't want to write a book. I'm not a great writer. I'm not, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm also very, very, you know... Uh, scatty with my recipe oh I was anyway uh, and so like, I knew that it was going to be a lot of work uh, but she just you know uh, made it happen really uh, and really really kind of uh, she was an absolute gem to work with um, and you know collaborated uh, through it and you know it kind of it, it was great because everyone you know everyone had the recipes that you know, all the people that I've ever worked with had recipes, and they kind of sent the back, you know, bits of paper that I'd lost or whatever else. And um, you know, we, we put all of that kind of side together. You know, the team at Drink Factory obviously helped uh, with a lot of the kind of technical stuff. Um, uh, Addie Chin with the photographs, uh, just absolutely superb. And you know, it was just bonkers because when it was done, it felt like. You know uh, that it, you know, it actually kind of encapsulated some of our ethos and, and, and what we believe in, uh, but also kind of, you know, we, we touched on a lot of the fun sides and the genealogy of how things came about. Um, you know, and there's, there's lots of different levels. I think you know, there's 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 simple stuff, there's uh, more experimental stuff, uh, there's high tech stuff, um, but I think you know the core of it is about having fun with what you're doing and doing it to the best you possibly can. 
And one of the things I love, you know, it's, it's really cool when I listen to you. You're, you're such a servant, man. And I just think that's probably what makes you so one of the many things that makes you good at your job. You're always crediting other people. You're always giving credit where credit's due. And, uh, you know, to me, that's, you know, when I talk to people who want to become a bartender, at least for me, it's like, you know, I'm always trying to suss out, does this person have an authentic heart for service? And, you know, below everything else is their number one goal with regards to what they want to do professionally about serving others so I really appreciate that about about the conversation man and about you and uh, you know what since you know we are a Portland radio show I know you visited Portland oh I love Portland I know <laughs> I, I lo- from an outsider's perspective what is it that you love about P-Town my man yes uh, I've actually created a drink uh, the the woodland martini after the uh, walk in the woods in, in Portland so that's actually uh, that's in the 69 Colbert Road but which is the second but um, yeah there's you know, there's that level that, you know, ingredients are in, proper ingredients. People love this idea, uh, you know, that they know where things come from. And there's that, that it's, it's about authenticity. Um, but also, you know, you've got great bars. Um, who's that guy again? Jeff, 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 what's his name? <laughs> yeah, Hello, yeah, of course. Every, yeah, exactly right. Jeffrey Morgenthaler, who was our first guest, and uh, he's the one who hooked me up with this great radio gig, to be honest with you. So he's had, uh, he's, he's your friend, he's my friend, he's had a great, Im- yeah. he's had a huge impact all over the place. So exactly, yeah, he's doing yeah. great stuff. So of course, Jeffrey has Clyde Common, Pepe Lamoco. What other places uh, did, did you have, an, what other, did you, were there any bars or restaurants that particularly captivated you? Yours, of course. Uh, <laughs> You can name check them yourself. Yeah, um, thank you. But um, yeah, it was uh, the place with all the whiskeys on the wall. That was fantastic. That place, oh, uh, whiskey library, whiskey library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was that was brilliant. But just you know, then there was just like restaurant um, uh, Zimmerman's uh, where uh, Zimmerman works. That was brilliant. Oh, as well. oh, 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 Woodsman's Tavern. Woodsman's Tavern. Oh God, yeah, that was good. There was a marigold uh, Bellini that he made there that was just one of my favourite drinks that I've tasted in the past five years, without a doubt. Yeah, to, to compliment Evan, I you know I I see some similarities in, in the drinks he does and the drinks you do. They're they're very concise. They're, they seem simple on the surface, but I know there's a ton of intelligence that goes yeah, in sure. on the back end, which uh, which to me is your signature. Sim- you know, drinks that look simple and whimsical on on the surface, but have massive effort <laughs> on the back end of what they're doing. What do you think of our coffee, man? It's okay. Oh come on, man! I mean, you know, yeah, you're killing. I, 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 I'm so about Italian coffee and that old way of coffee. You know, I mean, when we were putting the kind of coffee menu together for Termini, all the reference points, and and it's so funny watching people kind of do it because it, it, the Italians really get it because it's about growing up in Italy and that kind of coffee. Dude, it's been epic chatting with you. It's just amazing to run into your friends around the world, and I, there's nobody I'd rather be sitting here talking to and, and, and learning from and shooting the breeze with. My man, so good to see you, Tony, and uh, that's the end of an amazing episode today. Uh, once again, this has been the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network, and this is your bartender, Ryan McGarry, stepping out from behind the bar, reminding you to always drink your best.